This is one of the challenges that you and I are facing today because we have more kids that are leaving the church than ever before. One of the statistics I shared with the Faith family just a couple weeks ago is that 66% of the kids who walk out of the door of a church will never come back. And I hope that really bothers you. Because we have to ask ourselves, what is it that we're doing and what can we do? What is God calling up Messiah to do to make a difference and to change that, at least in this particular place, and then maybe having a much far-reaching effect using the internet, text messaging, all those kinds of different technologies. But what are we doing to raise up a next generation? You see, there's been a shift that's taken place over the years, and I think it happened kind of over time, and, and we didn't notice it was happening, but now we're starting to see the effects of what we've been sowing, and we just didn't know it. How many of you enjoy football? Raise your hands. All right, good. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to going home this afternoon and turning on the games and watching different games. I enjoy football. Now, if you think about watching football for just a moment, even those who, of you who don't necessarily understand football or don't necessarily even like it, you probably get this part of it, that when you turn it on, you see a group of guys, that first thing they do is they huddle together, right? They huddle together and they're calling a play. And then they all line up, and then they execute what they called in a huddle. Pretty simple concept. Well, for years and years, the church mastered huddling. And if you stop and think about it, for years and years, what did we do as a church? We just liked to huddle, and it was great huddling. We'd get together and have a wonderful time, and we'd be together, and just like we are this morning. We're together, we're huddling, we're worshiping, we're praising. But then the idea after you huddle is not to just go home and say, okay, I, I'll wait till we huddle next week. The idea then is to get on the front lines and execute what we talked about when we huddled. And oftentimes there's a disconnect. We, we huddle and we go home and we, play, we call the play. But what did we do? We went home. We came back next week, we huddled and said, what's the play this week? This is the play. And then we went home. And then we gathered again and we huddled again. And we mastered huddling. But you know what the next generation is saying? I don't want to huddle. And they come into the huddle. We say, come on, come to the huddle. Come on into the huddle. And they go, is this it? So we huddle and then what? Well, that's it. We huddle. And they're like, I'm out of here. Because I want to go play the game. And if you can wrap your arms around that, you're going to begin to understand the big change that's gone on and is going on that we need to help and we need to get on those lines, on those front lines, and start making a difference. And Messiah is amazing how they do these things. And we'll talk through those in just a moment. If you've got John 17 open, I want to read one verse for you, and I want you to circle it, underline it, do whatever you have to do, mark your page, mark the corner of your Bible, I don't care what you do, do whatever you need to do, to take this heart, and I want, it, I, I want this verse to go real deep, and I want you to ponder it all week long, write it on a sticky note, put it on your mirror, put it on your desk, put it somewhere, because there's a key message here, verse 20. Jesus is praying for his disciples, and he says this. My prayer 
is not for them alone, meaning the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's it. That's what I want you to see. God is praying for you and I. Jesus is praying, appealing to, his, to the Father on our behalf and saying, Father, please, please, may they understand that, that he's asking those who will believe in us through our message. Let me say it differently. What message are you proclaiming? See, one of the differences in this generation compared to all generations before is that when you and I were little, we were invited to believe what our parents believed, and we did. But this generation is different. This generation says, don't ask me to believe what you believe. Ask me to do what you're doing. And then I'll believe. Now with that being said, if this generation is looking at, at us and saying, I want to see what you do on the front lines. You show me how you're playing the game. You show me how you're living your life for Christ. You show me how you're making a difference. You show me what it means to follow Jesus. And then I'll believe what you tell me. And that's a huge difference. We huddle together and say, all right, this is what God wants us to believe. And we said, okay. But this generation says, now I'm not going to huddle. I'm going to stand on the front lines. I'm going to watch you and convince me by your message, the message of your life, what you believe. Boy, let that sink, friends. I mean, I'm ever aware of this myself. You know, sometimes... Being married and having four kids with two teenagers can be a challenge. And I'm noticing in my own actions, I'm having to just kind of go outside and sit outside for a while so that I don't do the things I don't want to do and I don't say the things I don't want to say. Because I know they're watching. And they're watching what I do and they're watching what I say and they're watching how I live my life. And your kids or your grandkids are watching your life and they're watching for consistency. Is what you do in the huddle consistent with what you do on Monday? Because if there's inconsistency with what you're doing in the huddle and what you do on Monday, they leave the field and they say, I'm not going to play in this arena. Because they're two different things. And there's never been a time for you and I to take the message of God's word to heart like now. Because if we don't, the results are disastrous. Because we have kids that are going to look somewhere else for something else to believe in because we've let them down. And I want to challenge you today to look at your own life and ask yourself, what is the message that your life is proclaiming? What are you doing on the front lines? What are you saying? How are you saying it? What are you doing? How are you doing it? 
and invite your kids to do what you're doing. There's three things that I want to, I want to encourage us. You might want to write these down because I think they're key for reaching this generation. The first we've just been talking about. Live it. You see, friends, you can't give what you don't have. You've got you've to live it. And I'm going to dare you today. And it's a dare, just like truth or dare. Remember those days? This is a dare I have for you. I dare you to live like Jesus. I dare you to take it to heart and be a follower of Jesus. To open up your Bible to get yourself filled up so that you have something to offer. To offer your kids, your co-workers. Because if your heart is running on empty, what do you have to give? Nothing. Then you'll start acting more the way that you want to act. But when you get filled up more with God and you take that time in prayer, and you take that time in the Word of God, and you get filled up, then wherever you are, you actually have something to offer those around you. And it's really not you. It's just God who's filled you up is now living out in you. But I think we've kind of said, uh, that's okay, I'll just huddle, and I like to huddle. But we're not, we're not throughout the week growing spiritually and by Friday, how much do you have left to give? And it's not the best of times that those around us notice. It's not like if you get filled up today and you go home and tomorrow morning you're just a spiritual champion. That's not what people are going to judge you on. They're going to wait till you're empty and see how you act. And it's when you act that way they say, aha. That's who you are. And kids are responding to that and saying, see ya, because that's not what I want. What's amazing about Messiah is to see how you live it. And I mean this with everything in me. It's amazing. Because what I see happening is I see while some are huddling right now, while we're huddling, we have a group of, of adults and teens that are over just a few feet from us pouring their hearts and lives into kids. We have other leaders that are over in Ignite pouring their hearts and lives into middle schoolers. Tonight, more adults are going to come and pour their hearts and lives into teenagers as they meet together tonight. Other adults are going to be pouring their hearts and lives into kids who are meeting in small groups. Some of you went on Teen Challenge last weekend and you were, you were working with some of the hardest teens and you're on the front lines and you're pouring your hearts into those kids. Some of you are working with, with Open Door and pouring your hearts and your lives into those who need to know that God loves them no matter what. Some of you are serving just wherever you are in your communities. I had the greatest honor this last week. I was invited to be part of a task force. And when I went to this task force, and what the task force was, was called by the school and asked, is there something that we can do as a community to make a difference in the lives of kids to help them make good choices? And it was an honor to be there. But this is what was really cool, is that when we went around, there's about... 12 of us in the room, and we were introducing ourselves. About four people said, 
as they were introducing themselves, made it clear, just said, um, I go to Messiah, and this is why I'm here. And I was so proud of them, because it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Why are they making that known of their faith life? And yet they wanted the people to know in the community, look, I'm coming as a member of this faith family, but I'm also coming in this capacity. And they were just leading with, you need to know, this is, the, this is where I'm coming from. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm here today. And I was like, cool. You know, that's, that's the difference, is that this faith family takes the gospel, takes it to heart, and goes wherever you are and makes a difference. And that's awesome because you're living the message that Jesus said to live. All right, if we're going to reach the next generation, it's critical that we live it, that we live the message that Jesus just talked about. Okay, number two. I want to encourage you to engage them. And that's getting harder because this society or this age is really technology-driven. They love cell phones. They love texting. They love Twittering. They love the multimedia. They love Facebook. They love the Internet. They love all those kinds of things. And I want to encourage you, for those of you maybe who are, you know, over 40 group, get involved in doing those things. If you've got kids or grandkids and you're not texting, you're missing out. Because it's important for you to start texting and communicating with kids because communicating with kids, the only way we're going to do it is when we speak their language. And if we're not speaking their language in the media that they're used to, that they're doing every day, we're going to miss it. See, they're watching our lives and they're listening with phones. And that's how they're living their life. And we need to meet them where they are and engage them where they are and get involved in those things. And they may be a stretch for some of you, but I'd encourage you, do it. Ask for help. Get involved in it so that you can start communicating on their level. You see, when we choose not to, we're missing critical opportunities to communicate with the under 40 group. Number three. Now, as I talked about number three, uh, I want you to start turning in your Bibles to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Here's the nice thing I want to encourage you to do. 1 Timothy 4. I want to encourage you as number three is to what I'm going to call raise the bar. Do you know what kids are looking for today? They're looking for God who's amazing. They want to believe in a God who's way up here. Do you share with kids what the amazing things that God is doing? They want to believe in a God who still does miracles. Do you give God the credit when God does something, or do you say, that was a coincidence? Or do you give God the credit for what God has been doing? Because they really want to believe that this is, this is who God is. They want to believe that nothing is impossible with God, and they want to see you stepping out in faith and seeing that nothing is impossible with God. They want to see in you that you have a God who can do exceedingly beyond what you could think or imagine. That's the kind of God they want to believe in. They want to believe in a God who they know loves them no matter what. 
And they learn that from us. Do you love the next generation no matter what? No matter how their lifestyle is, do you still love them? No matter what they wear on their bodies, do you still love them? No matter what tattoos or what jewelry they wear all over these days, do you still love them? No matter what they talk about, and kids today are talking about incredible things that they're doing and participating in, that for some of you, you might go, oh, do you still love them and care about them? Because they want to believe in a God who loves them, and they learn that love through you. See, it's going to go back to the first one. They're going to believe your message of your life, not your words. And that's a challenge that I want to encourage you, I want you to look in the mirror. Because it has to do with how we're living our life. It has to do with are we getting filled up and allowing God to speak to us first and change our lives and our hearts so that we have something to offer the next generation. Friends, this generation wants to believe that God loves them so much that somebody would die for them. See, is forgiveness in your home? Is that love in your home, that love that comes only from God? And I know we're going to make mistakes. My goodness, I make so many mistakes. I make mistakes with my family. I make mistakes with my kids. But are we communicating forgiveness? Are we apologizing? Are we loving them? Because it's going to go right back to don't tell them what to believe. Invite them to do what you do. And then they'll get it. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want to talk for a moment. This is not only for those that are over 40, but this is really for those that are under 40 for just a minute. So if you're under 40, heads up, because this is really for you. Paul is talking to Timothy. Timothy is a, is a young person who, God, who, who Timothy had laid hands on and commissioned to proclaim the gospel. 1 Timothy 4, I want you to find verse 12. This is what Paul writes to him. He says, Timothy, verse 12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Some of our teens, some of our, our younger generation, if you will, haven't seen good examples. Some of them have seen amazing examples. But for those of you, and this is, again, I want to say this is really for all of us. Paul says, talking to Timothy here. Ask yourself these questions. What kind of example are you? Not only for the believers, but for those who don't believe. What kind of example are you? Paul says, be an example in your speech. Think about what you've talked about this last week. Think about the jokes that you've shared. Think about the words that you've used. What kind of, what's been your speech this last week? How about your life? Are you setting an example in your life, in your lifestyle, and the things that you're doing and how you're living your life? And this is for both young and old. In love. It doesn't matter how old you are. God says, I want you to love other people. 
It's one of our values. God loves us. We love God. We love all people. It's one of our values as a faith family. How about in faith? What kind of an example are you to those around you, no matter what your age, in your faith? Are you living it? Because ultimately it's up to you. And I've told you this before. Don't delegate your spiritual growth to me or anybody else who's up here teaching. Don't delegate that to us. You take ownership of your own faith and you spend that time with God. You spend that time in worship all throughout the week. You spend that time listening and growing and growing in your faith all week long. You need to take ownership of that. Then lastly, set an example in purity. For all of our young people, you have not had good examples and good models of this. We turn on the TV, we see all kinds of terrible examples of what's going on. But God says, you set the example in your life, in purity, in sexual purity, in bodily purity. You set the example. Friends, this is a challenge for all of us. You know, it's kind of amazing. I have to tell you one thing that was really cool when I was preparing, preparing for the message. I started thinking about when Jesus called the disciples, went to the lake and called the disciples. So I started doing some homework and I started doing some research to find out how old were these disciples? I mean, I wonder what you have in your mind, you know? I think sometimes we think, you know, they're probably in their 30s. You know, Jesus is 30, they're probably in their 30s. And that's probably about the generation, you know, that they were. And, and the more homework and research that I did, I came up with this astounding thing that I found. It seems that those disciples that Jesus called to follow him, you know how old they were? Between 17 and 25 years old. He was calling teenagers and young adults and said, I want you on my team, 17 to 25-year-olds, and you're going to, if you will, take the message of the gospel and it's going to change the whole world. Isn't that amazing that God used young adults? And Timothy was probably in that same age range. And said, don't let anybody look down on you because of your age. You live your faith the way that God's calling you to live your faith. There's one more thing I want to share with you, which I'm really proud of Messiah for, for doing this. Last week we had a great meeting. It was a congregational meeting that we had after the 11 o'clock service. And we had talked about Journey's Coffee House, because you know we have Journey's Coffee House right here on the premises. And last week the church decided to move forward to take Journey's Coffee House and open up a second Journey's Coffee House right on Main Street. Why? Go back to the mission statement. God's calling us to reach one more life with Jesus by creating atmospheres for life transformation. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because I'm so proud of this faith family that would be willing to not just huddle and say to the kids, you come huddle with us. But what we're doing is saying, it with journeys, we're going to go on the front lines, and we're going to go on the main street, and we're going to create an atmosphere where we're inviting all kids because kids and young adults are primarily the ones that go to coffee houses. But friends, we're going to need you. 
because we need to get it ready. We need to fund this. We need to get this started. And you're going to hear me more, talk about it more and more because we need to put our faith in action. We need to go from huddling to Main Street and create a place where kids from all walks of life can come in and meet Jesus. And that's why we would do that coffee house. For a place where lives can be transformed and kids can know who Jesus is. And I couldn't be more proud of the church that says that's how important kids are. So I want you to think about from a value standpoint how much value is one child's salvation? Can you put a value on it? If it came down to your child, how much would you spend? How much time would you invest to make sure that they got to heaven? And what one of our values that you're going to hear us talk about is that we care so much about this next generation that we're doing a little less for the over 40 group in order to do more for the under 40 group. And here's why. Because those of you that are over 40 that are here today, most of you know Jesus, and at the end of the day, you're going to heaven. If you're going to heaven, raise your hand. Wonderful. If you don't know if you're going to heaven, we hope today's the day that you say, I believe in Jesus. Because we want you to go to heaven too. Now, at the end of the day, this is what I meant. You're going to heaven. But how about this next generation? Do you know that half of all kids have never set foot into a church building? Half. And are we willing, collectively, are we willing to take our time, our energy, our resources, our finances, and do whatever we can to reach kids where they are so that we might reach more lives with Jesus. If you're willing to do that, say amen. amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, how can we thank you enough for what you've done for us? You went to the cross with our sins, Jesus. And you loved us enough to give up your life so that we might have eternal life. There's a next generation, Jesus, that doesn't know you, that is not following you. 93% are biblically illiterate. They don't even know much about the Bible. God, you're calling this faith family to make an impact and make a difference. You're calling this faith family to pour into kids at all ages to do everything we can to reach one more life with Jesus. We don't want to lose one child, God, not one. We don't want one more child walking out of those doors and never to return. And we thank you that not only are you calling us to make an impact here, but you're, you're calling us to make an impact in our communities. And you're calling us to make a huge impact on Main Street. And we pray, God, that you would bless every effort that we do to reach more lives and more kids and more young adults with the saving knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.